Swamiji, how can one overcome fear in life? Fear is usually um, before you have, I mean, you, you're afraid of something before it happens. I found actually that a very good cure for that is to imagine it actually happening. For example, you're afraid of failure. Then imagine, well, so what if I do fail? I used, I've never been nervous lecturing in public. And I think that the reason is that I, in my mind, I thought, well, what would I be afraid of? That people would think me a fool. Well, maybe I am a fool. What if I am? Then what does it matter what they think? They're only finding out the truth of the situation. And so I never got nervous about it. But the thing is, too, that with pain, if you're usually like in Alice in Through the Looking Glass, the white queen, I think it is, who suddenly says, oh, oh, and Alice says, what's the matter? I'm going to prick myself with a pin. Everything's backwards, so she sees the future um, that way. And then she's calm. And Alice says, well, why are you calm now? Oh, I've pricked myself. <laughs> and in fact, that happens, that when you've actually experienced it, it's not so bad. It's the anticipation that makes it look uh, fearful, or for that matter, beautiful. You anticipate great things, hey, what that wonderful ice cream cone will be, and when you finally eat the darn thing, it doesn't taste all that great. <laughs> so anticipation always is greater than fulfillment. And the same thing with fear. When you're afraid of something, it's much worse than the actual experience of it. So I found this technique that imagine that I will experience that pain and or that thing that I'm afraid of, and it can never be that bad. So what would you supposing some disaster does come, some failure does come, what well, attitude would you... I know there's a beautiful story I read once in the Reader's Digest. <laughs> <laughs> but it was of a man who was an older man, but a young man felt a great deal of respect for him because he always so calm, took everything without uh, upset. And he asked him one day, what is the secret of your calmness? And he said, well, come, I'll show you. And he went to his bedroom and he opened a drawer and took out a little shell, seashell, which was very fragile, but intact. He said many years ago when the stock market crashed in 1929, I was one of those who lost everything. And I thought of committing suicide as many people did jumping off their, out of their office windows and so on. I just thought I'd, uh, there was nothing more to live for. And so I decided that uh, I would send my, parent, my family to the country. I took a cabin by the ocean. My plan was to go into the ocean and just let the waves take me. And the waves were too strong. And as soon as I'd get into the water, the waves would throw me back to the shore. And I'd come out bruised, but I'd try again and again. And about the fifth try, I was thrown back on the shore. And I looked at this. I saw this little fragile shell. And I thought, that shell is so much more fragile than I am, and yet it's intact. Why? And I realized it's, got, it's going with the current, not against it. And I realized that's what I was doing wrong in my life. I was going against the current. I should accept that now I've lost everything. What can I do? 
and I've rebuilt my life and it's been a very happy life since then. It's not that I've ever become as rich as I was, but I have all I need and I'm perfectly content. And so, again, we find that in, in going with the current, going with the tides, going with the vicissitudes of life, you can come out on top every time. No matter what happens, there's always some solution. We're coming to a time now of it's increasingly evident that we're coming into a serious depression, economic depression. My guru said that it would be much worse than 1930s. People will starve to death. People won't be able to get jobs. How will they be able to bring food into the inner cities when mobs will be attacking those trucks to get that food on, on the outside of the cities? It will be a very serious time. But if you have calmness, if you just think, what can I do instead of because I, I've lost my job, I've lost everything, there's so much that you can do. There's, you can even eat grass if necessary. But you can somehow survive if you go with what is instead of thinking that things should be other than they are. I think, by the way, that the best solution to depression will be what I myself have started. I started 43, nearly 44 years ago, a community, and uh, it's out in the country. I've now started eight communities, and there are about a thousand people living in them. People live together, they grow their own food, they have their own water, they live in harmony. Um, you know, if you, if, you have, if you have a village of a thousand people and you're competing with those thousand, every, every person will have 999 enemies. But if you work cooperatively with them, each person has 999 friends. We have found in this community that working cooperatively together, everybody helps everybody else. We don't have competition. We have another way of growing, each one encouraging the other. When somebody's down, the others help him instead of beating him into the ground. And that kind of community, I think, is going to become a model for humanity everywhere. Cities are a disease. We need to get out into the country. We need to get closer to nature. I think that's going to happen in the future. But simplifying our lives living in tune with nature and uh, letting... Uh, the main reason for depression is greed. If you can learn to share with others and give, with, give to others, you'll find you have all you need. Probably if more people lived this simple, close to nature lifestyle... I absolutely believe it. Then there wouldn't be the environmental problems that we see today. Well, that's right, because you're working in harmony with nature. You respect nature. You're not trying to rape nature for what it has. Swami, um, there isn't an escapism in this running away from the real world or avoid, not helping the real world? We're helping the real world by being where we are. We go out and show other people how to live simply and in cooperation with others. We have an intense concern for other people. So we're not only thinking of uh, going into our own home and uh, 
um, creating a moat around it that nobody can get, get across. <laughs> we really, um, even we have a retreat center where we teach people these principles, and anything, any truth that we know, our, our life is more sharing on a spiritual level and uh, teaching people how to live. So we don't share so much in an outward way, but there are many ways of sharing. You can give clothing to the needy. We do anyway. We do that sort of thing also, but it's minor compared to what we really do, our real interests. Swamiji, do people grow as much in this sort of artificially created community as they would out in the world? They do because you find that people in the world, if you make a mistake, everybody jumps on your back. They discourage you. One of the reasons that it's hard to grow spiritually is that you don't think you have the capacity to grow. When you live with people who are supportive and in, in a community, you quickly see people who are happier and what makes them happier. And living that way, you become happier. We quickly see also those people who think first me first, they're the ones who are not as happy. And so you know from observing them that that's not going to work for you either. So communities are, very, are a very good way of uh, having a group of people whom you know from one year to the next to the next, so that many years over, you see over a period of time what attitudes work and what attitudes don't work. So again, having encouragement from people helps you to try to be better, where in the world people get angry with you for absolutely superficial and false reasons. And you'll think, well, should I go that way? You get confused. Mm -hmm. People in the world hardly know which is the right way to go. So I can't say that being with people helps them to grow. Mm -hmm. It helps them become confused. Mm -hmm. Swamiji, what ties these communities together? What keeps the group together? I think in our case, it's God. Living for God, living for the God in other people, trying to share God with one another. I do think it's possible to have communities without God. I would like to encourage communities everywhere, but I do feel that without God, nothing's really going to work. Does it require a particular um, set of skills to live in such a community? No, it doesn't. I'm, I'm a writer. I'm not a farmer. I'm not a builder. I remember when I had to do some building, uh, I would hit the nail nine times and miss it. The tenth time I hit it in such a way that it bent. I just had this cloud of despair would come over my mind. Uh, I just didn't know how to be a decent carpenter. But I'm a decent writer. And in the, the beautiful thing about communities is that everybody has a skill. Some people are good at farming. Some people are good at carpentry. Some people are good at whatever it might be. And... Uh, for example, right now we have new people have moved to our Ananda community who know about permafarming, permaculture, how if you plant different plants together, each helps the other. This is a skill we didn't know, but it's a wonderful skill. So communities draw people with all these different skills. It's a very good way. Living alone in the country would be very hard. 
How did you come to found this community, Swamiji, or these I, communities? I, at the age of 15, wanted to start a community. I got all my friends interested until they found out that I was serious, then I was left alone. <laughs> but when I met Yogananda, I found that was one of his main purposes too. He saw this as a way for the future. And so I vowed that I would do my best to start such a community. And I've always had that in my veins, you might say. I think that, that uh, it is what will help humanity at a time of increasing tension and problems. If you don't think of God, you can live a dignified life if you have respect for other people. There are other ways. I think God is the main glue that holds us together. But it could be other things too. As long as there's that respect and love for people as your own self.